Let's pray together. Lord, thank You for our time this morning. and Father, You are so good. And You are so gracious. And we thank You for Your Word. And again, we're reminded in John 17:17 17, 17, that we are sanctified by Your truth. Your Word is truth. And these past few weeks, we've been asking the question, what are we supposed to do with Your truth? If there is this glorious promise that our sanctification is is linked to your truth, Lord, help us to understand what we're supposed to do with it. How does that sanctification happen? Lord, how can we be more and more like your son Jesus? So so Father, as you can only do through your Holy Spirit, would you would you answer that question through your word again this morning? What are we supposed to do with your truth? And, and then Lord, would you speak very clearly to each of us very specifically about uh, what it is we're supposed to uh, do when we leave here, when we break. In Jesus' name, amen. What am I supposed to do with God's truth? If you have your Bibles, open up to James. We've been asking this question. This is our third week. And if you've been with us all three weeks, you'll kind of hear sort of a, a, a repetitive theme. And... That's good, because I don't know about you, but sometimes I need to hear things more than once. And sometimes I need to hear things more than once in different ways. So as we go through this, you probably are going to hear things that are going to go, well, doesn't that sound like we something we heard two weeks ago? And I'll say yes. And then I'm going to say something, but didn't you kind of say the same thing last week? And I'm going to say yes. And then I'm going to say it, and, and some of you will finally go, Oh, that's what you've been talking about for three weeks. And maybe it was just the way that the verses we look at this morning speak, that, that it'll, it'll, it'll resonate with you. So what are we supposed to do with God's truth, right? We, we shared, and, and for this is the third week, I've shown you, Mike, thank you again, right? Mike Glennon, uh, gathered all the sermon notes, as many as he can, from back in 2010, compiled them. This is all the teaching from Saturday nights and Sunday mornings, you know. And then so on top of this, you've already got two more to add to this. And so the question is, what are you supposed to be doing with this? That's a lot. I mean, if I were smart, I'd probably just leather bind this and sell it at Barnes and Nobles because this is a book, right? What are we supposed to do with this? Is, is this just like a, something we pick up at Barnes and Nobles? Are we just going to peruse it? We just kind of read it for information's sake? Maybe there's an illustration. Oh, that was so funny. Oh, that was. Oh, I remember that story. Is it just sort of like a, a, a glorified novel? Just, just a textbook? Or are we supposed to actually do something with this? Because like we said in John 17, 17, Jesus says, sanctify them. Who's the them? Us. Sanctify them, your disciples, by your truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus very, very clearly, very simply says, hey, church, if you want to be sanctified, if you want to be set apart for God's purpose, if you want to be more Christ-like, it is linked directly to truth. God's truth. Now, it's not, a, and it's not, as we saw, right? Listen, let's go ahead and read James. It says here, James 1.22, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. 
do what it says. We saw two weeks ago there's a deception. If we have been deceived into thinking that all I have to do is listen to a good sermon, listen to a Christian radio, go to a Christian conference, if that's the extent of what I'm supposed to kind of do with this, is listening, you've been deceived. You've been deceived. I share with you back in Genesis, what did, what did Satan do with, with, it, with his strategy with Eve was to get her to doubt God's word, right? And now another strategy is, hey, let's deceive them. Let's just get them to, to just keep buying books and buying books and buying, used to be, I would have said cassette tapes a little while ago, but not cassette tapes anymore, right? DVDs and, and all these kinds of things. Nothing wrong with Bible studies. That's not what I'm saying. Nothing wrong with good Christian books. No, nothing at all. Nothing wrong with listening to sermons on the radio or whatever on, on the Internet. But if you're just accumulating, you have to be very careful because you, you, you've been deceived. If you measure your spirituality by the size of your bookshelf, you've been deceived. You've been deceived. Because the real question is, are you applying? It's not accumulation, it's application. It's application. I mean, sometimes when I, my biggest challenge on Sundays is to condense, you know, I study full-time all week, so I have sometimes upwards of 100-plus pages of things I've just gathered. And I have to condense that 100 down to my notes, my, what I bring in here, sometimes, you know, various. I have to condense 100 research pages into like five in the outline, and I have to take that five onto a half sheet. And, and the challenge then I know is, why do I do that? Because I know that if I can equip you, hopefully, prayerfully, one of you, maybe one, will go home and actually look at those verses and use it as a Bible study throughout the week. You know, uh, sometimes you're like, I don't know what to read every day. I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, this reading plan, I'm not into the reading plan. You know what you can do if you're really searching for a reading plan? There's your reading plan every week. Take, the, take the, all the verses on here and just read them every day for a week. And let God remind you of what he was saying to you during the quote-unquote sermon. This is your reading plan. This is, in fact, many churches, when they have small groups, what they'll do is the small groups during the week will simply talk about the sermon. Why is that? Because in our culture, we, we have this deception that, well, the sermon was good. Did you like the sermon? And then I told you at 10.15, when we break, we just kind of go back to our, we just add it to the stack. But that's a deception. It's not accumulation, it's application, right? And then we saw, turn to Ephesians 4.15. Galatians, Ephesians, right? So you're going to go left in your Bibles. So we're supposed to be doers of the truth, right? What are we supposed to do with the truth? Do the truth. Okay, according to James. Ephesians 4.15. We saw this last week, spent time on this. It says this, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And we saw last week that that phrase, speaking the truth in love, it is not. It is not limited to, well, Ernie, I need to really share something with you out of love. 
right? Many of us have taken that verse out of context and not really understood the definition where we limit speaking the truth in love is like I need to say something to someone in a very sensitive manner. Okay, there's some application to that. But that verse actually means truthing in love. What that means is when we leave here and we break the huddle, if you were here last week, remember, right? Football analogy, right? We all huddle. This is kind of a huddle, right? And at 10:15, what are we going to do? We're going to break the huddle. So we're going to break the huddle on three. Ready? One, two, three. Ready? Break. Okay. So at 10:15, we're going to break. And then you're going to go out there and your life is going to be speaking. The question is, what is your life saying? Because that verse says we're to be speaking the truth in love. Not just your lips, but your life. In fact, your lips and your life should match. So we looked at this, right? And the question was, am I truthing in love? What is my life saying about God's truth? Or or like this, am I a truther? Are you a truther? Let me put it this way. If somebody followed you this week, shadowed you anybody ever have a shadow at work right that fun time when your boss comes and says hey so-and-so this is a new hire and so-and-so is going to shadow you how many of you do a little bit better at work come on how many of you follow the policies procedures are 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 extra cordial extra nice extra helpful because you have a shadow amen right Right? Right? Why is that? Because there's this sense of accountability. Because somebody is being trained by you. Not just what you say, but by what they see. Speaking the truth in love. What has your life been saying this week about truth? What has it been saying? Because whether or not you like it, it speaks volumes. It's speaking all the time in all kinds of different circumstances, right? So am I a truther? Have I been truthing in love, right? So what are we supposed to do with God's truth? Well, James says, do do the truth. Be a doer. Don't be deceived. Ephesians 4 says, be a speaker. Am I truthing in love? Am I truthing in love, right? And then today we're going to focus on 3 John. That will be our launch. So turn to 3 John. That's way in the back, right before Jude. Third John. Third John. And we're going to do a uh, we're going to do a bit of a Bible survey because what we're going what you're going to see this morning is it's not this heavy duty original language type of study. This is just God. You're going to hear it in so many different ways, and I hope that the repetition. Will sink in. The repetition will sink in. All right. So Third John only has one chapter. Let's start in verse three. It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell me about your faithfulness to the truth, and how you continue to walk in the what truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are what walking in truth. As a pastor, oh man, that's just that, I just love that verse. Because see, I have no greater joy. Tyler, Bill, and I, we would have no greater joy than to hear 
that the people who attend OVCF are walking in truth. Isn't that awesome? I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth, right? We should have no greater joy than for us to see each other walking in truth, right? As a youth pastor, it's kind of interesting because you get kids at a very, you know, strategic time in high school where they kind of can get it old enough to make some decisions, but then they're sort of in a home environment where their influences kind of sometimes far outweigh the time that they're at youth group, right? And, and one of the challenges for me as a youth pastor is to run into one of the students that came through youth group. And sometimes you're like, man, he's walking. He's walking in truth. He's walking with God. And other times, oh, what happened? What happened, right? And, 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 and he says here, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. Now, what does that word walking mean? Right? Here, I love this definition. It's in, the, it's in your notes. To order one's life according to God's word. To walk in the truth is to order your life, for me to order my life according to God's word. Let's turn to Psalm 8611. Psalm 8611. So that's Job, Psalms, right? If you go to Proverbs, you went too far. So right between Job and Proverbs, Psalm 86, 11. Love this verse. It says this. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Right? Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will what? Walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart. So if to walk in truth is to order one's life according to God's word, and the psalmist says, Lord, give me an undivided heart, maybe for some of us, the challenge to walking in God's truth is our hearts kind of divided. What's the greatest commandment in the New Testament? What what does Jesus say? What? Love the Lord your God, what? With all your heart. And over the summer, I believe, we, we looked at the, the scripture that says, guard your heart, for out of it flow all the issues of life, right? So it's a heart issue. So if I were to ask you, how do you order your life? What is, what is the thing in your life that orders it, that you are ordering? Is it, is it your finances? Is that, is that what your life is revolving around? Is it, is it career? Is it family? Not necessarily, these are not necessarily bad things, but what is ordering or what do you order your life around? And this is really, this has really been challenging for me because even in, 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 in my life, I, I, I've been thinking about this, this application all week because for me, I'm like, Lord, is my life really ordered around your word or being a pastor? Am I really, a, a personally, just for myself, a follower, a disciple of Jesus who is doing my best to walk in truth? Or is everything that I'm doing in my life sort of really based on what I do for a living? And it's been a really, really challenging time for me because it goes to the heart and it, and it causes you to, what is my motive? Am I just reading because I need a sermon? Am I just studying because I need a sermon? Am I just praying because that's what pastors do? 
what in your life is would you consider the thing that you order everything else around? Right? I've had before that jar with all those rocks. Remember that? And, and I filled it up and we said, well, if you've got you to decide which one goes in first. What's the biggest priority in your life around which everything else is ordered? Everything else comes second. Right? He says here, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Is your heart divided? And it's not necessarily bad things because like I said, my heart could be divided with ministry to the point where being a pastor supersedes being a Christian. That's a divided heart. That's a divided heart. If I'm not waking up with the joy of the Lord and a desire to have quiet time and read the Scriptures just because I'm a believer, then as a pastor, I'm failing. As a pastor, there is a red flag and there should be a warning light. Because all of a sudden it's do as I say, not as I do. You understand what I'm saying? So there's an application. Do you have an undivided heart this morning? Right? Are you walking in truth? Is, is, is your life ordered around God's Word? Right? And then let's turn to Second John. It's going to go all the way back to the back of the Bible again. Second John. So we're to walk in truth. And then, and then let's look at Second John, starting in verse 4. It says, It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in truth. Right? We just saw that in Third John. Just as the Father commanded this. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we, what? Walk in obedience to His commands. As you have heard from the beginning, His command is that you what? Walk in love. So what are we supposed to do with God's truth? Well, we're supposed to walk in obedience and we're supposed to be walking in love. Walking in love, right? And remember a few weeks ago we talked about loving obedience. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. It's not legalism. It's loving obedience. So we're to walk in truth. We're to walk in obedience. We're to walk in love. Right? We're to walk in love. Let's turn one book to your left. Let's go to 1 John, verse 2, or chapter 2. First John, chapter 2, verse 3. We know that we have come to know Him if we obey His commands. The man who says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must what? Walk as Jesus did. Okay, so we're supposed to walk. Do you hear a theme? What's the key word when we break? Walk. Yes, thank you, Billy. Right? Walk in truth. Walk in obedience. Walk in love. Right? And then, what is the verse 6? Walk as Jesus kind of sums it all up because if we're going to walk in truth Jesus is the truth to walk in truth is to simply follow Jesus that's what this is right in John 8 I love this Jesus says I am the light of the world whoever whoever follows me will never walk in darkness and then Ephesians 5 8 says hey guys you were once in darkness now live as children of light so here's the key 
What are we supposed to do with God's Word? Walk. The totality of our life, we're walking. We walk in truth. We walk in obedience. We walk in love. We walk as who? Jesus did, right? Jesus did. Let's turn to Luke 7. Right? John the Baptist hears about Jesus and, and, and his ministry, right? So John calls his, his disciples over. And in uh, Luke 7:18, this is what he says, says starting uh, Luke 7:18. John's disciples told him about all these things, Jesus' ministry. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John, What? What you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Right? John the Baptist says, hey, come here, fellas. I'm hearing all kinds of stuff about this Jesus guy. Go ask him. Dude, are you the Messiah? And I love Jesus' response. He doesn't go into some real big theological lecture. Well, according to the Old Testament and the fulfilled prophecies, what does Jesus say? Hey, go tell John what you've seen and heard. Seen. Jesus was doing things, right? He was performing miracles right there, right? People were blind, leprosy, dead raised, good news, right? Question. What if someone came to Ernie? I'm just going to pick on you today, Ernie. <laughs> Ernie, are you a Christian? Are, are, are you a follower of Jesus? Is, is, I'm hearing all kinds of stuff about you, Ernie. Are you a follower of Jesus? And you would hope, in like manner of Jesus, you'd be able to say, well, I hope by what you've seen and heard, it speaks for itself. Oh, right. <laughs> right? Just stay with him. Right? If someone came to you and said, Hey, are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you a Christian? Are you a follower? We would hope we'd be able to simply say, Well, I hope by my life what you've seen and heard that the testimony is pretty clear. What you've seen and heard. What you've seen and heard, right? So if we're to walk like Jesus, let, I just, we're going to do an overview in each of these verses we could literally do sermons on, but we're going to do a quick overview of, of how to walk like Jesus because we've got to get specific. We really have to be specific. All right? Sometimes we look at our Christian faith and it's very general, very vague, very sort of like, oh, I want to walk like Jesus. I want to talk like Jesus. Right? And we sort of just hover around. The truth is, if you want to walk and talk like Jesus is very specific. And it takes some work. Philippians 2.12 says, Work out your salvation 
Timothy says, exercise yourself unto godliness. It takes some proactivity, some aggressiveness even, right? So let's do a quick survey. Let's turn to John 15. You remember years ago there was that little thing, very popular thing in Christendom, what would Jesus do? All right. Here's a survey. Here's a survey. If you want to walk in truth, if you want to walk in obedience, if you want to walk in love, if you want to walk as Jesus walked, Ernie, here we go. Okay? So John 15, verse 10. All right? John 15, verse 10. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. This is Jesus talking. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. So if we're going to walk like Jesus did, according to that verse, what's the O word? Obey. Obedience, right? Okay, let's go to Ephesians 5. So we have obedience. We're going to walk in truth. We're going to walk as Jesus walked. Well, there's obedience then. Okay? So then we go to Ephesians. Galatians, Ephesians. Okay? Ephesians 5.1 Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So according to that verse, if we're going to walk like Jesus, what's the example that Jesus set? A life of love and sacrifice, right? Okay, John 15, obedience. Ephesians 5.1. Walk like Jesus. Okay, it's a life of love and sacrifice. Let's go to Philippians 2, one book over. Philippians 2, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of who? Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient even to death on the cross. So if we're going to walk in love, walk in obedience, walk in truth, according to Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8, Jesus was what? Humble and a servant. Humble servanthood. Okay? If you want to walk like Jesus, you've got to be a humble servant. Turn to Colossians. Colossians 3. Colossians 3.13. Many of you are going to like this one. Somebody's there. They're already laughing. <laughs> Bear with each other and forgive. What's the next word? Whatever. That doesn't say some. A limited quantity. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Okay, so if we're going to walk in truth, we're going to walk in love. There's obedience, there's humble servanthood, right? There's sacrifice. And now according to Colossians 3.13, if we're going to walk in truth, what do we have to do? (laughs) Forgive. Forgive what? As the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. See, why is this so important? Well, we'll finish off, then we'll talk. 1 Peter. 221. Keep going right. 
We're just going to survey the New Testament, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter 2.21. 1 Peter 2.21. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His steps. What are they talking about there? Suffering unjustly. Enduring unjust persecution for your faith. That's what Jesus did. He says, hey, you want to follow Jesus? You want to walk in truth? Here's, here's Jesus' example. He suffered unjustly. It wasn't fair. But you want to walk like that, right? I love that word example. Here's a word, here, here's, here's a word picture. I, I love it. The word example literally means writing under. So if you remember back in your school days how you learned penmanship, what the example is, is, is if, a, if a student is learning penmanship, sometimes they write the letters across the top and the student just copies. Sometimes they put the letters under the paper and they trace. That's what they're talking about. So if you want to walk in, in, like Jesus and follow his example, what they're saying is, hmm, okay, my life has to trace Jesus. My life is just Tracing Jesus, following His example, right? Turn to 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for brothers. Another example. Self-sacrificial love. So what are we supposed to do with God's truth? James says do it. Ephesians 4 says speak it. Truth it. Right? Third John says we've got to walk it. We've got to walk it. Now why did we do all these, John 15, why did we go through all these examples? Because here's the thing. Like I said, many of us have come to the Lord. And God has done great things in your life. I'm not denying that. I'm not saying that you're not radically different than you were. Okay? But the other thing that we have to guard against is getting to a certain level of goodness as a believer. A certain level of morality. When, in, when we compare ourselves to how we used to be, no question, night and day. No question. I'm not, we're not downplaying that at all. But what we can do is we can get to a certain level of spiritual even maturity, if you want to put that, of spiritual growth, and then we slide into cruise control. Well, I know Colossians 3.13 says I'm supposed to forgive, but God understands. I know it talks about humble servanthood, but I don't want to do that. That's someone else will, someone else will clean the table. Someone else will put the chairs away. See what happens? That there's this deception too where you're not like completely blowing off God's Word, but you get to this certain level where we begin to pick and choose levels of obedience. And, 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 and then we start to justify it. Well, God understands. I'm not perfect. We get that. Anybody perfect here? 
Turn to the person next to you and say, are you perfect? And if they say yes, they lie till they're not, okay? So we get that. Nobody in here is perfect. But here's the thing. We, we excuse our, our, our sanctification process. And if we begin to excuse it, excuse it, we become what? Complacent, apathetic, comfortable. And we just go into what I call spiritual cruise control. Case in point, and, and I'm sure the worship team isn't going to mind me using this. We had a rough morning. And, and it's not pointing fingers or anything like that. We rehearsed Thursday. You rehearsed. We get here at 7, 7.30. We rehearse, yada, 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 right? Sometimes things don't go like they, you thought. Anyone? Anyone ever say anything you thought you'd never say again? Right? Sometimes things happen in life that you just weren't planning on, right? Now you have a choice at that point. You have a choice. And, here's, and I'm going to use the worship team to let everyone feel a little better. The worship team can say, man, that didn't really go like we had hoped. But what are we going to do moving forward? Are we just going to say, oh, well, see you next week? Or are we going to take the time to say, okay, what happened? And what can we do to the best of our ability to grow and learn from it? So that the mistakes we make actually are used by God to benefit us. You understand what I'm saying? Translate that into our Christian walk with the Lord. When you blow it, when you're struggling with forgiveness, when you're struggling with love, when you're struggling, you can say this, well, oh well, see you next week. Just me. Or you can say, Lord, what's going on? What happened? Why is this such a struggle? And Lord, how can I use that blurted out word that I can't get back? How can I use instead of how many of you beat yourself up repeatedly? Okay, so, okay, so maybe a help is, okay, I'm going to give myself 30 seconds. Bad Billy, bad Billy, bad Billy, right? But at the end of 30 seconds, you say, Lord, thank you for forgiving me. And how do I grow from this? And you know what you do when you begin that process and you begin to be honest and transparent with God about your struggles and about your sins and about your failures? You know what you get to experience? Grace. You begin to experience His daily grace and forgiveness. And you begin to go, I blew it again. And you know what He goes? He goes, I know, it's okay. I know your heart. And and here's how we're going to work together moving forward. Isn't that awesome? We're just gonna, he's going to lovingly, through his Holy Spirit, walk you through the things that we typically want to shun. Right? And so we have to really guard against, right? This, this idea of, of what do we do with God's truth. It's one of these messages as a pastor that it's so hard because it's just so cliche. Be a doer. Speak the truth. Walk in truth. Yeah, 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 pastor. I've been in Sunday school for... 50 years. Tell me something I haven't heard. Okay. Forgive as the Lord forgave. <laughs> what? See, this, this is the sanctification. This is, when, this is when it gets real, guys. And so here, here's my encouragement to you. When God speaks to you in this corporate setting, if you look on the back, look on the back of your sermon notes, 
I didn't put that there just for filler. I put this here, and if you don't have one of these, raise your hand and we'd love to get you one of these. This is there for you. Because I pray, I don't know who's going to be here, and we've joked about before, like I'll say something and, you know, Linda will judge, you know, Linda will say, Dale, did you tell him? And like, no, I didn't tell, you didn't tell me anything. I, I pray that God would speak to your heart about what's going on in your life. And this is simply a tool for you to say, Lord, I'm going to quote-unquote church, but I'm not just going to go listen to a sermon. I'm going to listen. I'm going to be ready to write down what you tell me. So that when we break, that what I wrote down is going to be a reminder that that's the issue that you're working on in my life. That's what you're calling me to in terms of walking this thing called Christianity starting now. See, it's, it's, it's such a, a challenge because we just, we, as, as, as leaders and pastors, we just want you to engage with Jesus. We do our best, you know, we try to make this nice and comfortable, do, do our best with the music and everything. This is all just secondary fluff, guys. This could all just go away. And I'd want it to go away. And if, if it's a hindrance to you walking in the truth, then take it away. Because our heart's desire is that you walk in truth. But that's a choice you all have to make. It's a choice I have to make. And it's difficult because it means taking the time to be real with God for as long as it takes. See, here's a challenge. We're, gonna, we're about to break in about five minutes. What are you going to do with what you just heard? What are you going to do with it? And I've been in ministry long enough not to get my feelings hurt knowing that most of you will forget if you don't write it down. What are you going to do with it? Because it's, and it's not just between you and God. This impacts others. We'll close with 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Turn to 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. We're going to close with this. In context, Paul was talking about glorifying God and not stumbling people through food and just loving others in the choices he makes in chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, it really should be at the end of chapter 10, but 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says this. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Whether or not you like it, if you profess Jesus... You're an example. You're an example at work. You're an example at, at home. You're an example on the basketball court. You're an example. And the Apostle Paul says, hey, follow my example as I follow Jesus. That should motivate us. Whether or not you like it, your life is speaking. What is it saying? And, and it really hit home. My wife and I are kind of in this season of <laughs> trying to declutter our garage. You know how that goes, right? But I came across this. Father's Day gift from my youngest one when she was like in kindergarten or first grade. I came across this. And God's timing for this week hit me like a two by four. I'm following in your footsteps 
<laughs> okay, how? Oh. <laughs> it's okay, didn't it? I'm following in your footsteps. Who's following in yours? Because somebody is. Who's following in your footsteps? I I I have wrestled with this all week. Because my kids know me as pastor. But then I've been like, I have honestly had to take the time and I've, 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 I've been trying to peel back these layers of, of trying to see my life through my kids' eyes and trying somehow to get what they see and get what I'm teaching them. Good and not very good. And it's been painful at times. Am I a hypocrite? Am I here one way at the church and then I'm teaching my kids, oh, Christianity is hypocritical because you should see my dad at home? Who's walking and who's following me? Because they are. They are. Grandkids, Robert. Co-workers. Friends. I'm following in your footsteps. Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So what are we supposed to do? Well, that's full dependence, Lord. This is impossible. I need you. I need you every day, every minute of every day. I need your grace and your mercy. And Lord, I'm going to purpose one moment at a time to just take the next step. You see, it, I love this illustration. It says if Jesus was in front of us and he was making footprints and all he said, hey, just put your feet where my feet are. And you're like, I can do that. I, I can do that. We don't have to have it all together. You know, that, you know, in the notes there, it says the best sermon. What's it say there, right? There's no better sermon than a good example. If you're a parent, you're a grandparent, you know what the best legacy, the best inheritance you can leave your kids? Someone that loved Jesus. Forget the money. Money's going to come and go. Leave them an inheritance, a legacy that says, you know what? Mom and Dad weren't perfect. But I knew they loved Jesus. I knew they loved Jesus. I read a story of this young boy. When he was little, came up to his grandfather. He says, hey, grandfather, what does it mean to live for Jesus? And the grandfather just says, just watch and so years and years go by and grandfather was a solid, not perfect, but a solid believing Christian. Just walking, loving Jesus. The grandson, years and years of wandering. Years and years. Product, just. And then they get together for what they both know is the last meeting while grandfather's alive. And he calls the son over and he says to the grandson, were you watching? And the grandson at that moment understood. And it was a turning point in his life. Because he just went back and he replayed the tapes of Grandpa living it, what he had seen, what he had watched, and he understood what it meant to be a follower of Jesus because of watching Grandpa. What are we supposed to do 
with God's truth. Just choose to be a doer. Choose to be a speaker of it. Choose to walk in it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And watch what God does in you. Watch what He does in your circle of friends. Watch what He does in your co-workers. Watch what He does in your family. All because you made the choice to walk in truth. Amen?